Normally humble and unassuming sort, Joe Wright has led quite the life, from drinking in the pub as a youngster with Kathy Burke to creating live visuals for the Chemical Brothers. He's long held ties to key players in British culture. Not that he's become a director of great repute on anything other than merit, as evidenced by his latest movie, Darkest Hour. Telling the story of Winston Churchill's early days as Prime Minister during World War II, Darkest Hour revolves around an extraordinary central performance from Gary Oldman, which already landed him a Golden Globe. But the brilliance of this film is about so much more than that, thanks in no small part to Joe's all-encompassing vision. I'm Edith Bowman and you're listening to Soundtracking, the film music podcast brought to you in partnership with the EE BAFTAs. Darkest Hour is up for a whopping nine awards at the ceremony, as well as Gary's inevitable nomination. These include Best Film and, appropriately enough for our purposes, Best Music for Dario Marianelli. On Joe's instruction, Dario's score was inspired by the modernist movement of the 50s and 60s and specifically a more recent work called Hammers by contemporary German composer Nils Fram. More of that in a moment, but we begin with a broader reflection upon the narrative accompanied by a piece called The War Rooms. the second time I've had the absolute pleasure of talking to you about music. You might not remember the first oh, no, time. No, I do. Of but course it was, I do. It was yeah. quite a few years ago now. It was when you were releasing Pan. Yeah. And do you know what you did as part of that chat? You introduced me to Max Richter, who I was kind of aware of. Right. And really paid much attention. Right. Paid okay. a lot of attention since then. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I'm very glad to hear it. Yeah, so thank you. Well, my, my absolute <laughs> pleasure. Yeah. Um, congratulations on this new film, Darkest Hour. It's brilliant. There's so many kind of layers to it and levels to it. And, you know, obviously it's a film about Churchill that we learn a lot about him as a character that I think we'd all made assumptions as to who he was and what he was. This unveils and peels back so many kind of different sides to him, I think, as well. Yeah, it's funny, really. I forgot that it was a film about Churchill <laughs> when I was making it. I was just making a film about this funny man who could have been called anything, who had made a lot of mistakes in his life and who, at a specific moment in time, was called upon to carry this enormous responsibility and how that affected him and what that meant for him and in a way how it created this terrible moment of crisis of confidence and doubt and then how he overcame that doubt to achieve something extraordinary because if I'd constantly thought about the fact that I was making a film about Winston Churchill I think I might have crumbled under the weight of historical responsibility you know sounds like you're describing the life of a director there as well a little bit a little bit i mean obviously all the films i make are about me really and all the characters are expressions of different elements of myself Mm -hmm. there's a moment at the beginning of the film when he's just about to go off to be made prime minister and his wife clementine played by Kristen scott thomas says to him be yourself and I had him say, which self should I be today, you know? And he walks to the wall and there's this, there's this kind of array of different hats. <laughs> and, he's, and he's not sure what hat to wear today, you know? And that's something I identify with deeply. So it's really, yeah, it's about, it's about Winston Churchill, but it's also about what it is to be a responsible human being in 
the here and now. You've wanted this your entire adult life. No, since the nursery. Did the public want it's me? It's your own party to whom you'll have to prove yourself. No, I'm getting the job only because the ship is sinking. It's not a gift, it's revenge. Let them see your true qualities, your courage. My poor judgment. Your lack of vanity. Yeah, my iron will. Your sense of humour. Ho, ho, ho. Now go. Go? Be... Be what? Be yourself. Myself. Hmm. Which self should I be today? And it's so relevant now as well. So many parts of it are just conversations that are, you know, unfortunately being had right now as well. And you made a great point of bringing that up last night before you introduced your film at the premiere. Yeah, I mean, Churchill resisted the wave of bigotry and hate and nationalism that was sweeping across Europe. And I think that what I see happening around the world as I take this film to various audiences is this unprecedented level of resistance that I didn't see before, you know. I didn't see it when Reagan came to power. I didn't see it with Bush. There was a kind of apathy going on at that time. And now I think the circumstances are so extreme Mm. that we are seeing a level of resistance, especially amongst young people, that I find really inspiring. I hope that progress is about two steps forward, one step back, and so maybe we've taken a step back, but we're about to take two steps forward. There's nothing heroic in going down fighting if it can be avoided. Nothing even remotely patriotic in death or glory if the odds are firmly on the former. Nothing inglorious in trying to shorten a war that we are clearly losing. Losing! Europe is still... Europe is lost. And before our forces are wiped out completely, now is the time to negotiate in order to obtain the best conditions possible. Hitler will not insist on outrageous terms. He will know his own weaknesses. He will be reasonable. When will the lesson be learned? When will the lesson be learned? How many more dictators must be wooed, appeased? Good God, give any mixed privileges before we learn. You cannot reason with a tiger when your head is in its mouth. You worked again with Dario Yorlone. You worked with him numerous times on yeah. very successfully on our previous films. What were the conversations you had about how you'd approach the music for this particular film? With it being of a time, did that come into the conversation at all? Or? Yeah. I've been, over the past couple of years, been listening more and more to modernist classical music, minimalist music. So we spoke about Max Richter last mm. time. I've been listening to a, a lot of a guy called Niels Fram, mm-hmm. um, who I'm sure you're aware of. And there's a track in particular called Hammers that I was inspired by. The, the kind of determined, almost manic tempo of it, yeah. rhythm of it.
Yeah. Although Hammers itself is actually just solo piano. Yeah. Although I love it because you can hear his voice on it as well as he sings along. Uh, I always loved the way on Glenn Gould's Goldberg variations you could hear him singing along. You get that on Hammers as well. So that was a big influence, but at the same time I was worried that that would feel anachronistic because obviously minimalism didn't really come along until the late 50s, early 60s mm. with Riley and, and Philip Glass and people. So I was worried that, that somehow it would feel out of place in the 1940s, but I kind of went with it. And during the makeup tests, we did a sequence of photographs of Gary walking. One of the first things that Gary and I started working on in terms of the development of the character was his walk. And his walk, I wanted to have this energy, this determination, quite a quick tempo. Reminds so, me of a kid, when a kid runs and his feet can't keep up with how quick his body's moving. Yeah, he leads with his chin, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, and you feel like it might fall over at any moment. Yeah. Giselle, Gary's wife, took a photograph of Gary doing this walk. And then I sent that photograph to Dario Marinelli way before we started shooting and said, I want you to write a piece of music to this photograph. Uh, it's about the tempo and it's about the determination. And Dario's romantic, he's quite classical. His hero's kind of Beethoven and those sort of composers. So he's not really a kind of minimalist composer in that sense. But I persuaded him to write something very, very sparse, solo piano, to that photograph. And that was the first piece of music that we developed.
And then we developed a couple of other themes during pre-production, which I was able to then play on set so that Gary could walk to the tempo of the music that would be in the film. with the music I try and develop it concurrently with mm -hmm. the rest of the movie have you done that historically with Dario yeah. then and all the work yeah. that you've done together yeah pretty much all of them in Atonement the typewriter piece was written way before we ever started shooting and again that was something that Saoirse Ronan was able to hear as she performed DJ on set as well. Yeah. Did we have a big sound system on this one? What yeah, was, I did. Imagine like Gary dressed as Churchill, dancing like, to, to Bubble Butt really? by Major Lazer. Amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I, uh, I can't remember when I discovered Major Lazer. I, I was fairly late to the Major Lazer party, but once uh, once I'd I'd found them, I'm never letting them go. And, such uh, a great image of yeah. my head. There's a video of it. Oh God, please let me uh, see it. There's a video of him. Um, uh, twerking <laughs> to Major Lazer's bubble butt on set, uh, which is full kind makeup of and half, yeah, full makeup uh, and fat suit. You know, it wouldn't have worked with his skinny body unless he did have the, the, the big ass. And uh, slightly kind of disturbing and strangely alluring at the same time.
love that because we like well, last time you told me about Mark Lanigan on Atonement, the track Wedding Dress for the love scene. You know, that kind of contradiction in a way, but also not. That's a love song, but it's obviously not of that time, it's more of now, but it's such a clever thing to do. It's saying more than you probably could with words. Yeah, exactly. I kind of feel like, I don't know if it's a clever thing to do, but I do it. It's just a way of communicating how I feel about a scene or character that is non-verbal. You know, that's why I make films. I'm not a particularly verbal person. If I was verbal, I'd write books. Would you put on a long white gown And burn like there's no more tomorrows Will you walk with me underground And forgive all my sicknesses and my sorrows Will you be shamed if I shake like I'm dying less music on this set than I have on previous ones weirdly I don't know why that was but I was also still playing you know Richter and I was so disappointed I was devastated last year though when I saw Arrival which I thought was a great film and Denny's a wonderful director and I saw that they'd used On Nature of Daylight by Max Richter at the beginning of Arrival. Why were you disappointed? Because I always wanted to use it. <laughs> I was yeah, I was like, no, 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 that's my track, you're not allowed to know. <laughs> I have a sense, don't you get that though, a sense of ownership of music? Oh yeah, definitely. This is my track. Well, with this podcast, I have a yeah. sense of ownership with that going, no, 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 no one else is allowed to talk about music and film, no. it's my thing. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> I feel the same way about, you know, if a, if a <laughs> filmmaker uses a piece of music that I love, then I get really... I, I feel betrayed by that piece of music and I, <laughs> yeah. and I resent whoever's stolen it from me. I see it as like they've stolen something from me, it's theft. <laughs> because it speaks so directly to our hearts. It's a personal you know thing, I mean? It's of a deeply course. personal love affair that you have with a piece of music, you know.
time you knew about it when you went to watch the film. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. It's like watching like someone cheat on you or something, yeah. isn't it? It's like, yeah. Oh, no, it is. It's <laughs> devastating. Um, oh, but mate. Uh, but I did an episode of Black Mirror I, recently. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. If yeah. There's a and and I got Max Richter to come and do the the score for that, which was really exciting. fanboy out at him a bit yeah a bit <laughs> and then I, yeah I did but he was incredibly generous and, and, and kind and I had a, a really great time uh, working with him on that mm. it, that was more inspired by the Sleep album which yeah. hadn't come out when we last spoke have you have you heard yeah, Sleep yeah we've got it on all the time it's yeah. amazing I just play it kind of like as a constant sort of soundtrack it's to my companion. life at the moment yeah, yeah it's just with me yeah you know. <laughs> yeah Except for that bit where it goes, oh, <laughs> I don't, I'll just skip that one. Yeah, no so I feel Max. a bit like I'm going back to church when yeah. I was, when yeah, I was little, exactly. we were forced to go to Sunday school.
and then also I did I did Galileo at the Young Vic. Did you see it? No, I didn't. Oh, it was really good. Oh, I'm I did sorry, the Life of Galileo that. at the Young Vic Theatre, uh, and Tom Rowlands of the Chemical Brothers did the music. You would have loved it, Edith. Oh. It was really good. And we had this this giant projection screen, like a planetarium, a big dome projection screen that went right over the audience. The audience sat in the middle, and we projected the universe on this screen, and then Tom wrote this music to go with it, and we had like oh, wow. 7.1 sound, surround sound system in this fairly small theatre and and it was um yeah that was amazing that was wow. really cool most people know you as a film director but music has always been such a big part of your life and when we talked before it's wonderful to hear you talk about your introduction to music through your dad who was a puppeteer and how you'd yeah. listen to the radio three concerts every yeah. night and things like that and but how you you step out of that comfort zone that you're in to explore things you know like putting on a story of Galileo at a theatre with one of your mates who's in a fantastic electronic music band. Is it important for you to try other different things and yeah, I think collaborate? Yeah, I and... think it's really important to try other things and also I'm not, you know, I try not to classify myself or define myself by one cultural area. So with movies, movies cost quite a lot of money. It would be difficult to make a film about Galileo with Tom Rowlands doing the music in a kind of uh, Brechtian, Marxist kind of aesthetic. And, you know, you can't do that, really. So you have to find other mediums in which to express other elements of your interest. Truth is a child of the moment, not of the past. I have made discoveries we can no longer conceal from the world. A new age has begun. An age when it's a pleasure to be alive. Can we talk a little bit about Gary Oldman? Yeah, we can forever. We can talk about Gary Oldman. He's a big music fan, Gary is as well. He was very upset when I first met him because David Bowie had died. Mm. And I said, did you know him? And he went, oh, yeah, 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 we were, like, best mates. I was like, really? Because, you know, Bowie's obviously changed my life. He said, yeah, we used to talk on the phone every Sunday. I said, what did you talk about? He said, well, England mostly. <laughs> and oh, I just that loved... makes me want to cry. I know. I just loved this idea of Gary Oldman and David Bowie, you know, talking about Victoria's sponge cake and <laughs> and the best way to get <laughs> to Ealing, chips. you know, yeah. <laughs> How'd you get to Ealing on a Friday night? I don't know. I found that really tender and, yeah. and beautiful. He's a good singer, Gary. Oh, yeah, I love his version of I Want to Be Your Dog from Sid and Nancy. Amazing. So messed up, could hear the adoration in your voice and you mentioned Sid and Nancy and I remember being really young and seeing that but I just from that point on completely fell in love with 
Gotti yeah. in terms of this incredible performance. Yeah, it was that movie. It was Prick Up Your Ears, which was a film about Joe Orton yeah. that he made. Joe Orton, the British playwright who was um, murdered by his lover. He was bludgeoned to death with an award, I think. Um, so it was that movie. It was Alan Clark's The Firm, which I was horrified and seduced by. Meantime, obviously, mm. the Mike Lee film. All of those movies, you know, when, I, when we were growing up in London, we used to go to this pub called The Old Red Lion in Islington. And it was like where all the actors and playwrights used to go, fringe stuff, mm -hmm. you know. And Kathy Burke was the doyen of the pub, right? So you'd go into the pub and you'd have to go and pay your respects to Kathy and ask if she wanted a drink. And then you'd be in there till six in the morning. They used to have a lock-in. And somehow, even though Gary, I think he might have popped in a couple of times, but he was the trailblazer of that whole generation. He was the one who had made it, I suppose. And he'd made it by sheer force of talent and will and imagination. It wasn't because he was the best-looking bloke and it wasn't because he was born on the right side of the tracks. He wasn't yeah. born to some posh poet. He was a boy from New Cross and he was the greatest actor in the world. So that was a huge inspiration. And then later, Kathy was in Neil by Mouth. Yeah. And she was like, Kathy was a bit of a mentor to me. And she took me. She said, I'm, I'm going to go and see Neil by Mouth. Do you want to come? I said, yeah, absolutely, Kath. I was, you know, 20 or 21 at the time. And we went to, I think it was called the Renoir. It was on St. Martin's Lane Cinema. It's no longer there. Mm -hmm. um, it's a members club or some such rubbish. Um, and uh, and it was guys. just yeah it was just me and Kath in this cinema, and like seven or eight rows behind Gary was there with someone else and we watched this film. There's no one else in the cinema, um, and we watched this film and I was completely blown away. I thought it was like one of the best things I'd ever seen. Mm -hmm. And afterwards, Kathy said, um, "Joe, this is Gary," and I shook Gary's hand, and Kath said, "One day, Joe's going to be a film director." and he's going to direct you in a movie. And Gary very sweetly said, oh, I look forward to it, or something like that. And I was like, oh, very nice to meet you, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Oldman. Um, I'm doing a Kevin and Perry impersonation <laughs> there. And I, um, and I was completely starstruck and unable to say anything. And so when I called Kathy, you know, about this movie, I said, Kath, I think I'm going to make a film with Gary Oldman. And she said, uh, yeah, I told you so. Oh, um, and she, she remembered, yeah. What a wonderful story. It's good, isn't it? I love fate. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I love me it. Me too. Makes me, makes me cry a little bit. But, oh. it, you know, and then I went and met Gary. You know, we sent him the script and I went and met Gary. And he was, you know, Gary was a bit nervous about taking on this role. And actually, I think it was reminding him of that story that might have helped him make the leap. So, uh, yeah, there's Kathy again. She shows up through life. She's like your fairy godmother. She is a bit. I need to see her. I haven't seen her for a little while. Jo, it's always a pleasure to chat oh. to you, mate. Thank you so much. Very nice Cheers and congratulations you. again. Thank Cheers. Thank you very much.
Dario Marianelli's modernist score to Darkest Hour, that's District Line East One Stop, rounding off this latest episode of Soundtracking with director Joe Wright. My huge thanks to Joe for taking the time to talk to us. He really has done a tremendous job on this movie, which is almost certain to scoop many more awards than it already has. You can find a Spotify playlist for the show via edithbowman.com and that's where you can also subscribe to the podcast and catch up on all of our previous episodes. It's a mighty impressive roster of film talent, even if we do say so ourselves. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We're at Soundtracking UK, where you can find details of a cracking prize package of goodies, which we will give away soon. Don't forget to vote for your EE Rising star, all five featured on last week's show. Daniel Kaluuya, Tessa Thompson, Josh O'Connor, Florence Pugh and Timothy Chalamet. To vote, just head to ee.co.uk forward slash BAFTA. Next week then on Soundtracking, in partnership with the EE BAFTAs, we have multi-award winning director, writer, Mr Ardman himself, Nick Park. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company.